You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday show for you. Heading into divisional playoff weekend, we're going to talk about the games, give you a little bit more on them from a gambling perspective for those of you who may be interested in that kind of stuff. We're going to talk a little bit more about the NFL announcing overseas games, a little NBA talk, and a shout-out to my alma mater uh, to end the podcast today. I'll tell you why momentarily. So let's get started and talking about the games again this weekend. First off, we'll just go in order of the games. As I mentioned yesterday, starting off with the Jacksonville, Kansas City game, I mentioned yesterday there's a stat going around that Trevor Lawrence – is 37-0 in his career in games played on Saturdays. (laughs) And somebody went back to his high school to get this record because in high school he was undefeated. I don't know what his record was in high school, but he was undefeated in high school on Saturdays, undefeated in college on Saturdays. He only lost two games in college. One of them was the national championship and one of them was the national semifinal game, and neither of those were played on Saturdays. And he's 2-0 in the NFL on Saturdays, the last two Saturdays. So it happens to be. He beat uh, Tennessee in the last game of the season, week 18, and then he beat the Chargers last week, last Saturday. Well, I guess some people did some more digging, probably the people that found this, and I guess maybe they found some other high school games because college would be easy to find. And we know he's only 2-0 in the NFL on Saturdays. He's only been in the league two years. So they must have found some other Saturday games in high school. That 37 and 0 is actually now 41 and 0. So 41 and 0 playing games on Saturday. The guy doesn't lose on Saturdays. Got a tough task ahead of him tomorrow playing against the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. They lost earlier there this year 27-17. Right now the line is 8 and a half, total around 53. You know, I I'm a guy that when you get to this point in the playoffs, the lines are so tight because there's only four games. So you're really not going to get any sort of value unless you jumped on this earlier in the week. If you're a dog better, you jumped on Jacksonville because it opened, I believe, at nine and a half. It's been been down to eight and a half. It's eight in some places. The total has fluctuated between, I believe, 52 and about 53 and a half. Um, For me... I, I don't really like either side or total. I, I really don't. But I think this has kind of a tease written all over it where you can, you know, adjust adjust the line. Now, there's a, obviously a lot of different teases you can do. Six point, six and a half, seven. There's three team ten point teasers out there. Like I I would feel comfortable because with teasers you can win both sides. You can you can tease Jacksonville on a on a ten point teaser finding two other teams. You can tease Jacksonville up to plus eighteen, and you can and you can tease Kansas City down to plus two. So and that could that's a twenty point margin. So if you think the game's going to be close, but Kansas City will end up ultimately winning, uh, you can take both sides of that. Um, I think the total is a little bit high. I I think I would be. Very interested in possibly teasing up the total to sixty three and a half and going under. I just don't, I don't see a thirty three, thirty. I just don't see this high scoring, uh, frankly. But that's where I would go towards on this game. I, I, you know, I'm kind of saying, hey, both. I mean, the one thing I guess I like the most, if you're, if you know, gun to my head, what I like the most about this game, probably teasing that total up. 
and going under. Um, six points isn't enough for me. Um, when you can get a 10-point tease, that's that's four extra points. I would much rather be under 63.5 or 63 uh, and just find two other games this weekend to put with that um, than I would – you know, teasing it up to 59, you know, you just, you want to get as many points as possible. And yes, they make it harder because you have to pick two other teams if you do a 10 point tease, but that's what I'm looking at for this game. Um, would I be surprised if Jacksonville won the game? Yes. Despite the 41 and 0 on Saturdays for Trevor Lawrence and the fact that Doug Peterson is five and 0 against the spread and straight up the last time he's five times, he's been a dog in the playoffs. So Jacksonville has a lot in their favor, and they've played well. They're playing well at the end of the season. Kansas City's off a bye week. You don't know how fresh they're going to be. Maybe it takes them a quarter, a quarter and a half to to shake off the rust, and Jacksonville is hanging in there. I mean, you just don't know. Um, Kansas City should win the game. They're the more talented team, but there's a reason they play them. If we just said on paper before every game, well, who's the more talented team? Okay, well, they win. Well, (laughs) What's the point of playing the games? Obviously, you still have to play the games because anything can happen. Somebody can get injured. There could be a a major momentum swing on something you can't predict before the game even starts. So, um, but for me, I'm probably looking to tease that total up and go under is what I'm looking at. As for the Giants at Philly on Saturday night, I mean, most gamblers, I would think, with the Kansas City line being around eight, eight and a half. And Philly being seven and a half, eight as well, favorites over the Giants. I mean, the teaser that's sitting out there for everyone and their mother is teasing Kansas City and Philadelphia down to under a field goal. You know, you get Kansas City at two and Philly at, you know, one and a half or two. And all they have to do is win a home game at home, you know, win a home game by a field goal. It's almost too easy. Now, it absolutely could hit, but it almost seems too easy, and you know that's what a lot of people are going to do this weekend. So that's why I'm weary about it. Um, you know, we we have everybody is a home favorite of at least four points this weekend. I don't think all four home teams are going to win outright. Somebody's going to get up. Somebody's going to get beat. Somebody's going to get upset. If I knew who was if I knew who was going to get upset, I'd tell you and tell you to bet your mortgage on it. But I'm not going to do that because I don't know who's going to get upset. I just look at the numbers and kind of look at this and just know that things play out that way. And just when you think it's so easy to pick all four home teams, it just it rarely happens that way. I wish I had the stat for how many times in the four division playoff games all four home teams won. I bet you it's way less than that they didn't. And um but, yeah, I'm trying to see, could the Giants win? Yeah, I mean, they they played them tough in Week 18 when they didn't even play any starters. They're playing well. They're a division opponent, so they're very familiar with Philly. Philly got off to a great start, 13-1, and but then had some injuries, and then in Week 18 did not look impressive when Jalen Hurts came back from his shoulder injury, and then they had a week off. So how rusty is Jalen Hurts? Can the Giants do something to stop them? Can they control the clock? Can Daniel Jones continue the streak that he's on? You know, these are all questions you need to ask going into this game. But the easiest teaser on the board for Saturday is teasing Kansas City and and Philly down to under a field goal. And it almost looks too easy for me. So for this particular game, if I am going to take a side, I actually do like Philly in the game. Um, and I actually like them to cover that seven. 
that's the one I'm kind of looking at. Seven, seven and a half. I wouldn't leave it at seven and a half. I'd buy the half point. But I do, I do like Philly in this game. Uh, I know that they've had question marks. Everything I just said towards the end of the season, the you know one and two finish, the bye week. Jalen Hurts only playing once in the last month. I get it. Uh, maybe they start out slow. Maybe you want to take Giants in the first half because you think Philly's going to come out slow. But I overall, um, you know, gun to my head, I, I do like Philly minus the seven in, in this game. Cincinnati at Buffalo. This line is just going all over the place. I believe it opened at I believe it opened at five, and then it got down to three and a half. And now in some places it's up to five and a half. Buffalo minus five and a half. And I think this is all strictly based on I think the odds makers believe that Buffalo got their bad game out of the way with the Miami win by three points. Didn't look good. And Buffalo really hasn't looked great all season, to be honest with you. They just haven't. Um I, I know I know I say that and they're they were thirteen and three, but just keeping a lot of games closer than they should be. And I think the biggest thing right now for Cincinnati is can they play with them? Sure. But I think the DeMar Hamlin factor is going to play a role. Yes, I, I, I certainly expect him to be at the game on Saturday and get um and, and make an appearance. And that's gonna that can only carry you so much, you know. In the fourth quarter, the DeMar Hamlin appearance before the game was literally, you know, three hours earlier. So it's not like that's going to provide any sort of extra uh, motivation. It will to start the game, I would think, but by the fourth quarter, that kind of wears off. I think the biggest problem with Cincinnati is their offensive line is banged up big time, and that's going to ultimately hurt them. So I do like Buffalo in this game, but that that number is just an ugly line. I don't really, I don't really know where I would side with the points or whatever. But again, if I'm going to play this game, this is probably something that you know. You could tease Buffalo, you know, tease them to a plus five or plus four and a half at home, or you can tease Cincinnati up to plus 15 and a half. I, I don't see a Buffalo blowout here. I do think it'll be close. Cincinnati's too good. Cincinnati is one of the best against – they are the best against the spread team in the last two years in the NFL. So I, I don't know if I see them losing by two touchdowns. I feel, I feel comfortable with them getting 15 and a half. So – if I am going to do a three-team ten-point teaser right now, I, I I think I'm solid with the Kansas City under uh, sixty-three or so, Cincinnati plus fifteen and a half, and then a, a game uh, a, a, a later game. Well, the, the only game left, which we'll get to right now, Dallas and San Francisco. This one, assuming the weather, I, I think I'm going to keep an eye on the weather on this one because if it is windy and cold and rainy. Uh, I do like this game to go under as well. I, I do like under 56 in this game if you tease it up 10 because I think the total right now is 45 and a half, 46. So that's where I'm looking at in this game. But this is this is the game that uh, the line is really bizarre. San Francisco laying three and a half points at home. Some places it's four. It's the smallest line of the weekend. So this is the one game that Vegas thinks the underdog has a chance to win outright. Just based on the line. Doesn't mean they will. But it is a strange line. The San Francisco 49ers have won 11 in a row. They have blown a lot of teams out in that 11-game winning streak. They won in Dallas last year in the playoffs by six. 
Now they're only four-point favorites at home. I'd say this team is better than last year's San Francisco team. But I think the reason the line is what it is is because the Dallas Cowboys have the ability. You know, they're 13-5 and on the year. I mean, they're a good team. They have the ability to go in there and win if they play like they did Monday night. And the problem is we just don't know which Dallas team's ever going to show up. And I think that's why the, the odds makers are just like, hey, we, we think we're going to put it here and, and see where the money takes, see where the money goes, because this one's a tough call. It really is. It may, it may seem easy to you, and if you're a Niner fan, you're like, oh, my God, the Cowboys aren't going to beat us. Well, that's just, that's not, that's just not being objective. <laughs> they can absolutely beat you. I don't know if they will, but they absolutely can, and you have to accept that because they are a good team. And if Dak plays mistake-free football, they have a chance to absolutely go in there and win that game. But um, I think to round out my three-team 10-point tees, I'll go under in this one and tease that up to 55-and-a-half or 56 and go under. Don't see this being um, that high scoring of a game. I mean, that's that's almost, you know, 27-24, 30-24, and that's still under. And I, I, I I just don't see that. I think that's way too many points um, for both of these teams. I know the San Francisco first game went over. All the more reason to make me think this one goes under because giving up 23 points to the Seahawks might get the San Francisco 49ers defense on alert because they didn't play great against Seattle. So we'll see what happens. But that's that's where I'm leaning if if I'm going to throw out a three-team teaser for you. Kansas City under, Cincinnati up to 15.5, Dallas-San Francisco under. So the NFL announced yesterday who's going to be playing in the overseas games uh, next year during the season. The Bills, Titans, Jacksonville, Kansas City, and New England all hosting games overseas. The Chiefs and the Patriots are going to play games in Germany, and the Bills, Titans, and Jaguars are going to play games in London. This just brings me to my point where the NFL has always talked about expanding and going globally and having uh, a league and having some teams possibly overseas and I've just no one's ever explained this to me how the hell that's going to work you can't possibly put an NFL team in England or anything overseas because it doesn't make sense now if you want to do a four-team league or an eight-team league in Europe and then they play each other and then the winners come over to the states for playoffs or something like that that makes more sense but to have them as part of the NFL schedule makes no sense because right now, for the most part, when you play an overseas game, the next week is your bye week. Well, how are they going to do this? They would have to have a European team when they come to the States literally just come here for three games and then stay in the States the whole time and then move them and then go back home and play a three-game homestand. But, you know, you wouldn't have a home game and then an away game and then back-to-back home games and then away an away game. Just... Because if you do it once a year for one team that goes overseas, their bye week is the next week, what are you doing for the European team? They have to play 17, you know, 18-week season and get one bye? It's never made any sense to me, yet NFL keeps talking about expanding, and I've never been told how that would actually work to have one team in Europe and then the other, you know, well, they'd have to go to 34 teams, um, the other 33 teams, in the states, it doesn't make any sense. How would that? Not to mention, how many NFL players are going to be like, "Yes, I want to move my because fa- you're going to be gone for, you know, um, at least six months of the year for training camp and all in your games. 
You're basically telling American players, oh, yeah, you now have to go live in London. It's like, what? I mean, they're pissed off enough when they ha- when they get traded in the United States and they go to a team or a city that they might not want to go to. Now you're telling them, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to be playing now for a European team and you got to go live there for six months. I, I just, I, I, I've never understood how this is going to work. Like I said, if they want to have their own league over there and then maybe send the winner over to be part of the NFL playoffs, somehow work it that way, that would make a hell of a lot more sense. But having them as part of the NFL 18-game schedule, I've never understood how in the world that works, could possibly work. But maybe I'm not thinking about something. A little NBA talk for you. Um, I haven't done too much NBA talk. Yesterday I talked a little bit about the Mavericks. I just want to talk about – the one thing I did say about the NBA is there's no dominant teams this year. Um, the, the the Celtics, the Nuggets, and the Grizzlies have the best records right now, and the Celtics, you know, went to the finals last year and lost to the Golden State Warriors. But there's no dominant team right now. No one's running away with it. There's a lot of evenness. I mean, if I were to tell you who's the third, who has the third best record in the Western Conference, um, anybody that's not a Sacramento Kings fan would never in a million years answer the Sacramento Kings. But there they are with the third best record in the Western Conference right now. They'd be the three seed if the playoffs started today. The Sacramento Kings, if I'm not mistaken, they haven't made the playoffs in like 15 years. And now they're sitting at the third seed. So even if they did make the playoffs, they are one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA, but they have, I believe, they're the highest scoring team in the NBA. So in the regular season, that definitely can get you where they are, a third seed. But you get to the playoffs and you have literally one of the worst defenses in the league. That's just never gonna it's never gonna fly. Whoever they play in the first round, if they stay as the third seed, um, that sixth seed is gonna be favored over them. It's just no playoff experience and they don't play any defense. And this isn't to shit on the Sacramento Kings, because hey, they're one of my five NBA totals that I bet at the beginning of the year. I bet them over 34 and a half wins and they need they're 25 and 18. So they've played 43 games, which means they have 39 games left and they need to win 10 for me to win my to win my bet. They have to go 10 and 29 for me to win my bet. I, I think they'll do that. I think they have 10 more wins in them. So this isn't me crapping all over the Kings. I want them to do well. Uh, I pretty much know I'm already going to win this bet because I pretty sure they're going to go at least 10 and 29 the rest of the year, but they are not going to make any noise in the playoffs. They're too young, too inexperienced and don't play a lick of defense, but the team that's sitting there after a loss last night to the Celtics, good game, went to overtime, the Warriors defending NBA champions. You know, they're 22 and 23. They're horrible on the road. They're five and 18 on the road this year, 17 and five at home right now. They're 22 and 23. They're currently in the ninth spot in the Western conference. However, they are literally a game and a half out of the fifth spot. So the Warriors are going to be there in the end, and as long as that core is healthy heading into the playoffs, I don't care what the Warriors' seed is. They are the favorites in the Western Conference. They could end up being the eighth seed. And I'm telling you right now, they are the favorites in the Western Conference. You can talk, talk to me all you want about the Nuggets being 19 games over 500 and the Grizzlies winning 11 in a row and being 18 games over 500. Good teams, but they have not beaten the Warriors in the playoffs yet. And so you got to get over that hump. And I don't know if this is the year that those teams do it. Granted, the core of the the Golden State Warriors is getting older. 
you know, Steph's going to be 36. Clay still is coming off two injuries. Draymond's getting older. They do have a young nucleus, but, you know, they've just been dilly-dallying around for the first 45 games, and here they are at 22 and 23. But Steph has missed, I believe, 13 or 14 games, and they've had injuries. But if this team stays healthy the rest of the year, they'll probably be right in the middle of the pack, like a four, five, or a six seed. And you want no part of them in the playoffs. I mean, come on. They've won four championships in the last, I believe, eight years. They are still the team to be reckoned with in the Western Conference. I don't care what the Nuggets and Grizzlies record is by the end of the year. So keep that in mind. You watched them play last night against the Celtics. They should have won that in regulation. They really blew that one. And they beat Boston earlier this year at home. So this is a team that I think, I'm not going to say they don't try during the regular season, but when you know you're as good as you are, and you know that you are the defending NBA champions, there is no reason to extend yourself and you know go balls out for 82 games when what really matters is getting those 16 wins in the playoffs. It's just it's just a fact. And all they need to do is get in that maybe even up to the three seed, you know, three, four, five, six seed. Just get in there, and the seeding won't matter. Uh, they can win on the road. In the playoffs, they always have. I believe they have a streak right now going of at least one road playoff win in every series in the last. I forget the number, but it's in like like the 30s. Like for like 30 consecutive playoff series, they've won at least one road game, which is just unheard of. So don't tell me they can't win on the road in the playoffs because they certainly have proven they can. But this is the team that come playoff time, and I know I'm not going out on a limb here saying the defending the NBA champions are ones to watch, but everyone seems to be writing them off because of their record. Their record in the regular season means nothing. We know what they can do in the playoffs as long as they are healthy. So that team is healthy. They are my favorites uh, in the Western Conference. And I just want to end right now with something that I know probably 99.9% of you don't give a shit about. But, hey, it's my show and it's my alma mater, so I'm going to talk about it. Late last night in Spokane, Washington, my LMU Lions, my alma mater, graduated from there in 1997, Loyola Marymount University, who has been dog shit in college basketball for literally 30 years, ended the Gonzaga Bulldogs' 76-game home winning streak. It was the eighth longest in the history of college basketball. 76 games in a row they won until last night. LMU beats them 68-67. In college basketball, in your conference, and that conference happens to be the West Coast Conference, you play each team in your conference twice, once at home, once away. So every year, LMU has to go to Spokane and play Gonzaga. (laughs) Do you know that they haven't beaten them since 1991 until last night? So that's what, 32 consecutive losses (laughs) in Spokane? That shows you what an upset this was. They'd lost 32 years in a row to Gonzaga. They also had lost 25 in a row to them, just overall, home, away, WCC tournament. This was, this was a fascinating upset. Not only did you end a 32-year losing streak at their home court, a 25-game losing streak in a row overall, but 
you also beat a team that had won 76 straight home games. <laughs> I can't believe LMU won that game, but they did. Gonzaga had also won 83 straight games against unranked opponents. Home or away. And they lost last night. And LMU's having a decent season. They're 14-7. and seven. When I tell you LMU basketball is irrelevant on the college basketball scene, I... I, I, it is, it's, it's an understatement. This is a team that hasn't made the NCAA tournament in over 30 years. The last time they made it was the run when Hank Gathers died. That's the last time they made the tournament. And if you look at their records over the last 30 years, I want to say they had eight seasons. It's like seven or eight seasons where they were over 500. And like three or four of those eight seasons were like, you know, 17 and 15 16 and 15, 18 and 14. Like, it's not like they had a good season at all. They were just, you know, scraping to get over 500. So, when you have 30 seasons in a row of being dog shit and you can't beat anybody, you never come close to getting to the tournament, that might be the biggest win in the school history. I I don't know. Uh, At least since the Hank Gathers years, that's the biggest win this school has ever had. So, congratulations to them. I mean, they're probably still not going to the dance. They would have to win the WCC tournament, meaning they'd have to beat Gonzaga and probably St. Mary's, and I just don't see that happening. But, hey, big win for my alma mater, so I wanted to shout out to them. Congrats to LMU for that 68-67 win in Spokane last night. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Enjoy your NFL Divisional Playoff weekend. I know I will. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated. Please leave a review. Hopefully it's nice. Rate it five stars if you'd like. Uh, It would definitely help the podcast. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.